Because I was saying it, I was talking to my girls about it. It all comes down to choices. Everything you do in this life comes down to choices. What choice will you make? You know what I'm saying? I saw something recently that I liked that saw that Pat Boone wrote a book and the title of the book is called The Eternal Choice That We All Have to Make. And that one, that's a really cool title but because it, it all comes down to, literally comes down to choices. And then I, I, as I talk to my girls, you know, and, uh, you know, they all have been through stuff that, you know, nobody should have to go through. And that, you know, that if you see them for the treasure that they are, then you would never put them in that place. But the problem is when you have an unredeemed heart, you don't have the eyes to see. You know, Jesus always said, you know, let him who has eyes to see and him who has ears to hear, let him let him see and hear. You know what I'm saying? Everybody he ever said that to had peepers in the front of their head and flappers on the side. And then you look at like, in Jesus's day, I always say there were four kinds of people. There were Pharisees, Sadducees, wouldn't sees, and couldn't sees. You know what I'm saying? And I've learned over time, I've kind of figured, I really have patience for the couldn't sees because they just don't have the eyes yet to see. They haven't been given the eyes to see. Yeah. You know, if you look at the story of the feeding of the 4,000, all right, Jesus feeds these 4,000 people. And when they're all said and done, he tells the disciples to get in the boat. But in reality, that whole story is about not about so much about feeding and that, that miracle. It's about having eyes to see. Because he feeds the 4,000, he gets to the end of that, and the and and Pharisees and the wooden seas come up and say, show us a sign. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, no matter what sign I show you, boys, you won't see. Y'all a bunch of wooden seas. So I ain't showing you nothing. It was about seeing. You see? If you look at Jesus, was like, you know, here's 4,000 people. Can you see how to feed them? Mm-hmm. Can you see the way to be a blessing to these people? Mm-hmm. Can you see the way to set them free? So the Pharisees say, we want a sign. And Jesus says, you boys ain't nothing but a bunch of wooden seas. And no matter what I put out there, you refuse to see. So I ain't putting nothing out for you to see. Then he gets in a boat with the disciples and he tells them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And the disciples, like always before, they're like, oh, we had all them leftover loaves of bread and we didn't get none. Mm-hmm. And now he's on us about the bread. And Jesus says to him, do you boys have eyes and you still can't see? So you're the first guy's asking for a sign to see. Jesus says, no matter what I put out, you won't see. Then he's talking to the disciples who are couldn't sees. He said, you boys can't see because you don't have the eyes to see yet. And they get to the other side. What do they run into? They run into a blind guy who flat can't see and ain't never saw. And the story gets kind of interesting from there. If you think about it for a moment, Jesus goes and he prays for the guy. And then he asks him, what do you see? See, the whole story is about seeing, man. <laughs> that whole feeding of the four thousand is about seeing. All right? He says, what do you see? What did the guy say? I see men like trees walking. Did Jesus make a mistake? No. Did Jesus ever make a mistake? Never. Never. Therefore, that was by design. Jesus is all about seeing. Some people are wooden seas and some people are couldn't seas. And let him who has eyes to see, let him see. And he said that with people to people who have eyeballs in the front of their head. Therefore, he must be talking about a different kind of eye. And we know he's talking about having spiritual eyes, being able to see in the supernatural realm beyond the physical that's right in front of you. Right? Now, if you look in the book, in, all through the book, there's all kinds of them in there. Um, I think Israel's referred to as like the olive tree. David wrote in, you know, if you, uh, 
I'm like the cedars of Lebanon, uh, like a tree planted by the water, you know? Mm. Uh, all the way through, you see men being referred to as trees. Mm. And what did the blind guy see? Men that look like trees. I think this is just my take on it, all right? I think what God was doing is saying, boy, I've dealt with the wooden seas, and I got the couldn't seas. I'm going to take somebody who ain't never saw, and I'm going to cause him to see things he ain't never saw. I'm going to open his spiritual eyes first, and then I'm going to open his physical eyes. You finna see stuff, boy, that you ain't never even thought about seeing. And Jesus prays the second time for the boy and says he saw everything clearly. I could be wrong. I'm just saying that's how I saw it because it's all about seeing. Yeah. You know, you see what I saw there? <laughs> you could also say maybe he, he opened his eyes, but then there's that brain process that gets in our way and we start over, you know, we tend to have this tendency to overthink things. We, we always are like, Taking what God does, and then, oh, I think it means this, like the Pharisees are studying the word and getting the wrong idea. And he's like, okay, we need to fix that connection between your eyes and your brain because mm. something's not right. Because <laughs> you ain't seeing, you seeing with physical eyes, you ain't seeing with spiritual eyes. Yeah. See, there, there's such a thing as there's a time that you can reason away faith. Mm -hmm. See, people want to say, well, faith is, is something supernatural. Faith is, is something that, well, it, it's abstract. What if it's not? What if faith is completely intellectual? Faith doesn't function in the natural. It doesn't function from the logic or the intellect of man. It functions from the logic and intellect of God. Mm -hmm. Faith makes perfect sense in God's world. It oftentimes don't make no sense in your world and mine. And that's where Jesus said, man, let the ones who have eyes to see, let them see. You see what I'm saying? I'm going I'm to let you, you, you're going to see, but you're going to have to see things from my perspective. There's an aspect of, that, that I don't understand, but there, it's like the, the faith and the hunger of people acts almost like a lightning rod that, that God is, is ready to come in power. And he's like, let's get some energy there pulling. It's all negative energy all around. Let's get some positive energy pulling this down, and then I can make this happen. It's not that he can't until it's that he wants to, to work through us. So there's an aspect that he wants, you know, when we have that faith, then the faith is rewarded. And that's then logically you say, well, that's wish fulfillment. You say it happened because oh, no. you wanted it to happen. But the, the real truth is it, it happens because you have faith. And then they start to find it out and they start doing the, the self-help ideas and imagine your your goal and move towards your goal because they start to realize this faith stuff works. <laughs> you know what they're doing? They didn't on. all the way through, didn't he build the disciples' faith? Mm -hmm. He started out with Pete in a fishing boat and, and they caught more fish than they'd ever seen. And Pete goes, depart from me, sir. I'm a sinful man. <laughs> and Jesus goes, no, Pete, man, I'm not bailing out on you. You're the guy that I want. Mm -hmm. You just don't see it right now. See, Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with the wooden seas. And I'm going to take the couldn't sees, and I'm going to give them eyes to see. And then you can say he was growing their faith. And when as your faith grows and you begin to function from the perspective of God and realize that faith is intellectual, mm. but it's not functioning from human intellect, it's functioning from God's intellect. Mm -hmm. Then you get God's perspective and you start to see things you couldn't see before. And if I take that all the way back to the girls at the beginning, when people didn't see the treasure that's in those kids. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because they had an unredeemed heart. They couldn't see it. Yeah. But if you have been given the eyes to see, like Jesus did for the disciples, 
You see what I'm saying? Then all of a, then all of a sudden you see the treasure that's there in front of you. You see what oftentimes a person themselves don't see. And I think somewhere in the universe there's that story where Jesus goes, you know, it was the guys with the ten talents and the five talents and the one talent. And a king said, what you do with the talents I gave you? Well, what if them talents, people always look at that as well like your spiritual gifting or, or your, your a talent, actual talent that you have or money that you invest. But what if the talents that he's asking about is your wife and children? Mm-hmm. What if it's the relationships that you have? What if it's the friendships that you have? And God says, hey, did you see the treasure that I gave you? Yeah. Or did you misuse it? Did you try to hide it? Did you not see it? Did you neglect it? Did you reject it? When you think about the level of uh, the, the when Paul taught it, you know, he's going so deep. He's saying, we don't need to change a social structure. You've got a master. You've got a slave. If you guys are following God, you're going to treat that slave like your brother in Christ so much that we don't even need to change a social structure for real justice to be found in the system as we found it. And if, if you look at it that way, this person is completely in my power and I can do whatever I want to them, but I believe that God loves them just as much as they love me. Mm-hmm. I believe that I'm accountable to God for the way I treated them. Yes. And I believe that my brother in Christ, God has hope and dreams and a future for them, not just for me, which means I better invest in building up them because he's going to ask me later, what did you do with what I put in your hands? Mm-hmm. I think a lot, a lot of church folk don't see one another that way, maybe. Yeah. You know, when you're sitting in the chair, you know, on every Sunday and you're singing the three hymns and the four hers, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then, but then you don't realize, wow, this brother that sings so bad next to me is still a treasure <laughs> to God. You know, not this brother because this one sings good. You know, but if I was sitting there, they'd be like, man, brother, you know, what did you do with that money your mama gave you? Because you sure didn't spend it on singing like his lessons like you were supposed to. You know, <laughs> one, one cool thing is I as I shared that this morning as, as I talked to my girls, and it all comes down to choices. What choice will you make? You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, like, you know, as I talk to them, I say, you know, I try to figure out a way that, you know, that I could make an analogy for a young lady, you know. I say, if, as a mechanic or a carpenter, sometimes I'm, I'm trying to diagnose and see a problem, but I'm having trouble finding it. Where if I call a brother, you know, as I always said, I'll call my brother Eric or I'll call my buddy Jerry. And, 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 and when they come in with a fresh perspective and they see it from another angle, they see the piece that I'm missing. And I'm counting on his perspective. Yeah. You see, I said, so as a young lady, I said, so, uh, you know, maybe you put some spotted shoes with a plaid dress, you know, <laughs> uh, and you think it looks all good, but you got a sister that comes along and says, hey, uh, you know, sister, I'm just telling you right now that that probably, you know, and then you realize, oh, my goodness, you know, someone's given you a different perspective to see on it. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you don't always see it right away. You need someone to impart to you, give you that sense of direction, and then you can make the choice based on the information that you just got. Without the information, without someone coming into your life and interjecting, interjecting and coming alongside and walking with you in it, you're going to be doing it without that information. 
and you, it, yeah. you may wind up making the wrong choice. Sometimes we don't even know when we're making a choice. Like, are you going to drive the car with no oil in it or not? It's, we we. Oh, is that a choice? I, I thought <laughs> that's just the way. You probably right there in front of you, so you're too close to it. You had the wrong perspective. So that's why when you call someone that is a little bit further off, they can see the whole picture a little differently, a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. But, and the choices that we make, every moment we're deciding who we are, because those choices are our faith put into action. And we often don't think about it this way, but when you are just, you know, should I do this or not? Well, who are you? You know, who, who does God say I am? Do I believe who God says I am? Mm. Or am I just, you know, because we're not just randomly here wandering around doing random things. Everything that we choose is part of defining who we are. Uh, so if you look at it that way, then, it, you know, do you choose, you know, how God sees me? Mm-hmm. Now you come down to it's a battle of words. It comes down to, well, am I going to believe what God's saying about me, or am I going to believe what's being whispered in my ear over here by the enemy? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't recognize that the devil's lying to you. See what I'm saying? And it maybe takes someone to come from the outside to help you say, hey, brother, I think you're listening to a lie, man. You know what I'm saying? And maybe if you could receive that, if you could help them, if you could do it in love, maybe a brother can receive it a little bit and recognize, oh, man, the devil's lying to me. And I didn't recognize it. Now you have the chance to reject the lie and go, wait a minute, this is what God says about me. So whose word are you going to believe? What God says about you, what the devil says about you. You see what I'm saying? Which is really strange because if you follow that out, how do you become a believer in Christ? You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So it's by the spoken word that you become a follower of Jesus Christ. How did the world get created? By the spoken word of God. You see what I'm saying? And then Adam and Eve got lied to in the garden because that snake came along and he opened his mouth and started saying something else. And in reality, it it really, if you stop and think about it, the whole thing really comes down to, it really is a battle of words. You know? In the end, it's out of his mouth comes a sharp sharp sword and he slays his enemy. Well, the guy actually got a sword coming up. You know, here comes a sword. You know, no, I think what it's really saying is out of his mouth, the word is declared. And just as quick as he spoke something into existence, he can speak it out of existence. That's in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Some words I think in Jeremiah, but I could be wrong, but it's in the book. You know? So, either you can speak life or speak death. Choose life. Yeah. Well, whose word are you going to come into agreement with? You know? <laughs> Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Man, you know, what does he say? Something about, you know, if you choose me, you're going to have eternal life. He told the Samaritan woman, if you if you only knew a girl who it was that was talking to you, you'd be asking me for a drink. You know what I'm saying? But she didn't have the eyes yet. She mm-hmm. comes back at him with physical eyes going, mm-hmm. man, how are you going to give me a drink? That well is deep and you ain't even got a bucket, you know? And then Jesus had to take her through it. Mm-hmm. And it got the lady got to the point where she goes, I perceive you're a prophet. And at that point, her eyes got opened. Her perspective changed. You see what I'm saying? The cool thing was, as I was sharing this with my daughters this morning, uh, how it comes out down to choices. What choice will you make? They had the television on in the background, but it's on mute. And Billy Graham happened to come on. All right, he's on there. I'm watching him, you know, but I'm talking to my girls. And finally, when it's all said and done, we talk about it. What choices are you going to make? You know, life and death. I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Man, when we got done talking, I hit the button. 
and a and a sound comes on, and Billy is on there. This was recorded way back in 1971, <laughs> but it just happened to be playing at that moment. And Billy is like, "What choice will you make?" <laughs> and he got like, "What? No way! You know what are the odds? You know." Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, "Get back with your bands up there, Billy!" You know. <laughs> so you mentioned, um, you know, the choices that we make. And that, and also Jesus going looking for the people who couldn't see, but they were seeking in their heart. Mm -hmm. And we have today all kinds of people who have rejected the church, or the church has rejected them, or both. But it's where you're going to find the people who are seeking the hardest, because they're, they'll try anything. They'll go anywhere, whatever we got to do to find something, because they have recognized the emptiness inside of themselves, which a lot of the people who are in the church are so busy trying to fill the emptiness and they end up, I wouldn't see because they have, they've, they've put the blinders over their eyes in that process. You, you just said it all right there. They wind <laughs> up, I wouldn't see because they put the blinders. They chose, they chose to harden their heart. You see what I'm saying? They don't know that they're missing out on a blessing, but they chose to harden their heart. But the beauty of that is Jesus Christ is relentless. He will hunt you down. He'll keep going because he loves you. Let, let, let me throw this out there. Yeah, you ever love somebody and they not love you back? And how's that feel? Pretty lame, huh? Yeah. You know, so you love somebody and, and they don't love you back. You hurt because you've lost something. Jesus Christ loves you and you don't love him back. He hurts also. Hmm. But he doesn't hurt because he lost something. He hurts because he knows how much you're losing. Yeah. So when you've hardened your heart like that, because you've been so wounded, because somebody couldn't see the treasure that you are, Jesus is so cool because he's relentless and he'll send somebody into your life to point out to you, hey, you got the wrong perspective. You putting on spots with plaid, man, and it don't go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, he, he, Sometimes maybe he don't send somebody, but maybe he's doing something in your life to bring you round to that place. Yeah. He's all, the, the supernatural realm is real. All right, turn this. Who are you? That's my call. Who are you? Let's see. You don't even want to know what Wanda's call sign is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes in your life, man, look at maybe I can do this. I got the, I got this thirty year old NIV Bible that I, I first the very first Bible that I I bought when I became a follower of Jesus. Uh, you know, here I was this you know former outlaw biker. And I, and I and I I thought you know man if I'm gonna be a follower of this guy I probably should get his book and read it you know <laughs> so I walked into this bookstore and as a guy man it was a Christian bookstore you know I had never been in one but I walk in there man with Harley Davidson do rag on and Harley Davidson t-shirt and tattoos flying you know and I walked in and you could see the fear come on this man's face he looked like he <laughs> thought oh no I'm gonna be robbed you know <laughs> and I walked up to the man and said hey man you got any Bibles in this store? And the guy let out this big sigh, you know, and the relief came on his face. And he's like, oh, yeah, man. And he walks me over and goes, here, you might like this one. It's easy to read. I don't know why he thought I didn't read very good, but, you know, but he was right. 
but um, but it was a so it's a it was an NIV. It's thirty years old. I found out it was called the Life Application Bible, and I have read some more uh, recent versions, and 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 they don't read the same oh. in this particular passage. But I'll show you something, man. Just let's see where is that guy? He's right after one of the ayahs. There he is. First, here I'm gonna save you guys some embarrassment. Okay, have you ever read the book of Haggai? You have good. You want to read that because you don't want to get to heaven and you run into Haggai. <laughs> yeah, see what I'm saying? He's going to be like, hey, you, you read my book, you know? And you're going to be, uh, well, you couldn't read. It's only two chapters, you know? <laughs> but so when I first began to follow, I got this Bible and I'm reading it, man. And I'm on my way to Alaska and I had stopped off at, at uh, my daughter's uh house and I, I took her to her grandparents and I was standing outside waiting and as I was walking around my old hippie van man I, I hear the voice and the voice says go in your van and read the Bible I says I can't do that sir I said I'm the only one here who believes in you they're going to think I'm nuts and I'm walking around and as I walk by the van again I hear the voice that says go in your van and read the Bible and I thought ah what the heck they already think I'm nuts and I went in there man and I picked that book up and it flopped open and I now know that I was looking at Haggai number two. At that time period, man, I, I just was looking at the book. I didn't know what I was looking at, you know. It said in there, it, when I turned it, man, on the page, right, it says, you know, it asks all these questions about if, if a priest has holy stuff and he touches something unholy, does it become unholy? And he said, yeah, man, it does. And if it's unholy, uh, you know, does holiness go to unholiness by touching? He said, no, man, but unholiness does go to holiness by, by that transfer, you know. As I open it, I read it, and I look, and it says, Man, all your sacrifices and everything else you did as a service to me was tainted because you were living with a selfish, evil heart. And so I rewarded everything you did with mildew, hail, and rust. And a shortened up version was like, you know, he said, if you went to the, to the wine press to get 20 gallons, it was only 10. If you went to the olive press to get so much, it was only half. In other words, he's saying, every time you thought you was going to make ends meet, I was moving the ends. And you still wouldn't turn around and look at me. And that's what I was trying to say is sometimes Jesus might send someone into your life to help you, to, to give you the eyes to see. To take you from being a couldn't see to someone who's like the blind man, who all of a sudden you're seeing men like trees. You know what I'm saying? You're starting to see spiritually, but then all of a sudden he's opening your eyes so you begin to see even more spiritually. Mm -hmm. You still don't see just the physical world. You see what's happening in the supernatural world. You see what I'm saying? And, um, and then there are times when he goes, look, man, even if I sent someone to you, you still aren't going to see. So now I'm going to have to do some rearranging in your life, trying to get your attention. And the beauty of it is, man, even when he's rewarding you with mildew, hail, and rust, it's still love. Mm -hmm. He's doing it to try to get you to turn around so that he can bless you. Because his heart is he wants to bless you. Yeah. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you eyes like he gave the blind man. So that you can see not just men like trees walking, but you can see both the supernatural and the natural and see him moving in it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so... Sometimes he sends someone, sometimes he's got to do it himself. If you like me and you're really hard-headed, he had to do it himself, you know? Yeah. So the, the hail, the mildew, and the rest, um, because when you're there serving God, you, even if you, you know God, you believe in God, you're going after God, you're serving him, 
but you're doing it in your own power, in your own flesh, and you haven't yielded your heart. You haven't come to the point to understand, God, I can't do anything good for you. You know, I, I'm, it's impossible for me to do something good. You have to do good through me because I can't do it. And when we're acting in our own power, what we're bringing out is, you know, that's, that's what we're reaping is mildew already. And he, he starts to show us, hey, you know, there's a, there's a very easy path that moves from you serving me and seeking after me to you guiding yourself into this pit, you know, where the Pharisees were. Because all you got to do is start doing it in your own power and deciding things your own way and you judging what's right and wrong and what's good and evil. And you're there. You're in the pit already. You're in a, you're in a and I'm going to start pelting you with rocks until you wake up and realize, <laughs> hey, this is a pit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> because you have to figure it out sometime. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck there forever. Yeah. yeah, and he loves you too much to let you be stuck there. <laughs>